This is Telemetry Now, and I'm your host, Phil Gervasi. And trigger warning, we will be talking about machine learning in this episode. No, I'm just joking. Well, I'm, I'm actually not joking about the machine learning part. I'm joking about the trigger warning. So joining me is Estefan Ortiz, a senior data scientist with Kentic and an expert in data science, machine learning in particular. So what we're going to do is talk about how data science is being applied to networking today, specifically network visibility. Yes, we'll also touch on whether or not this is all just hype. So ultimately, that's the goal here today. Keep it real, keep it honest, and learn what we're actually doing with ML and network visibility. So let's get started. So Estefan, it's great to have you here today, and uh, I do appreciate that you took some time out of your schedule to talk. Now, I know you're from Texas, right? But you went to grad school in Hawaii, is that right? I did, yeah. yeah it's good All to be right. here, too. Um, yeah, so I, I finished up undergrad at St. Mary's University in San Antonio, uh, and I thought, oh, let's see if I can go uh, to grad school at a really nice you know, area. And I thought, why not Hawaii? Uh, and so I picked a an EE program uh, that was, you know, strong in control theory and strong in, I think at the time when I was looking for it was uh, error control coding. Uh, and so uh, Hawaii was, so I was, I went out there, oh man, 2003, I believe, if I recall, 2003. And then I worked on a master's, graduated in 2006, and then I decided to stay out there until about 2010 or so, in, in which I decided to go and pursue a PhD at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, that's pretty amazing. So I have to imagine it was really awesome living in Hawaii for those years. <laughs> it was. It was great. Uh, it was uh, so at times uh, hard to concentrate on school, uh, wanting to kind of get out, uh, learn to surf, be out and kind of you know, then be out in nature and hike and whatnot. So it, it was a lot of fun. Okay. So I went to graduate school in Albany, New York, which uh, some people like to call the Hawaii of New England. <laughs> that is not true. I made that up. No, nobody calls Albany that. In fact, we have bumper stickers around town. I don't live in the city of Albany, but in the area that says, keep Albany boring. And uh, believe, believe me, it is. So anyway, anyway. So before we get into it, um, you, you gave me a little bit about your background. Um, but what, what specifically do you do as a data scientist? And what is your doctorate in exactly? You mentioned EE, so I assume that's what it is? Yeah, well, sort of, yeah. So I started off in EE. So I received a master's in electrical engineering at the University of Hawaii. Uh, then, then I went to Notre Dame to pursue uh, computer science and engineering. Uh, so I received uh, another master's there and then a PhD. Uh, my, my focus was broadly computer vision, specifically biometrics, with a focus on uh, iris recognition and iris uh, detection, so to speak. Very cool. Very interesting background, I got to say. But uh, I do want to get into it now. So before we before we really unpack what data science is all about and how we apply it, can we can we establish a foundational definition of what data science is? Good question. Uh, <laughs> so I guess the way that I see it is that data science is somewhere in between uh, like applied statistics and and kind of software development. So uh, I forget, I forget the the person who said it best, but it, data scientists tend to be uh, better at software development than most applied statisticians, and then better at applied stats than most software developers. So it's kind okay. of that it's kind of that middle ground. Uh, but the I guess what motivates me, and I think maybe 
a lot of data scientists is being able to kind of sift through and look through data to kind of pull out um, insights, specific insights that are actionable for a given problem. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I think in the network engineering space um, is can you detect, you know, uh, interesting things in, say, volumetric data over time? And then once you detect it, can you do something interesting with it? That's really that's really cool. Uh, now, I mean, I've been a network engineer for 15 years or so. And this conversation, the application of data science to networking, is relatively new. Now, I know technically, I'm sure there were people like MIT and Stanford doing it for years and years, whatever. But generally speaking, it's rel relatively new conversation in the field. Do you do you have any idea why? Why is it that we're only now starting to use the methods and workflows and processes of data science applied to this industry and in networking? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess speaking just in general kind of generic terms from what I've seen like in other places that I've worked is that um, sometimes it's just often uh, an adoption uh, part of it, like being able to express like the things that machine learning or data science can do when compared to what's already being used. Uh, and so I think maybe the slow adoption is there because the field is new and making the case for a given uh, area is difficult. Network engineering being one of those places. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons. The other reason is I think, like other like like other areas, it's you, you don't want to treat right. You you, you want to make sure that you're expressing the ability of a given say trained model in a way that gives some explanatory behavior of the underlying system. And oftentimes that's very difficult with either it's difficult because either the, the model you've chosen is complex and it's difficult to kind of explain things like correctly from it, or the underlying data set isn't, you know, as clear to, 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 to those that are interested. Like what, basically what's the data that goes into this model? I want to know what are the factors, if it's right. And, and being able to explain, you know, what, what data goes in, I think it's been, you know, uh, an ongoing process to, to kind of, let everyone know how things were built, I guess is the right way, or how things were estimated yeah. is the right way yeah. to say it. I think one of the things too is that uh, the past few years, maybe more than just a few, uh, there seems to have been, at least in my naive perspective, a, 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 kind of like a, a hockey stick exponential growth of complexity in networking. Um, you know, when, when you add all the overlays that we have now that we didn't when I first started. You know, when I was first starting in networking, things were very simplistic you know there was a, a wan edge and there was some stuff going on in your lan the complexity was like my wireless is acting funny today it's like it's crazy there's so much stuff going on and i think yeah i think that's probably one of the the things that's lending to this desire to, to solve that problem in a new way what's the how do we solve this problem of, of visibility or of configuration management whatever whatever it happens to be do, is that is that a problem that you're seeing with this industry? The the type of data that we have, network telemetry, is what we you know we call it internally at Kentic. But is that is that an issue? The type, the kind of data that we're using. It is, yeah. So yeah. being able to, I guess, make sense of that the complex uh, data sets that are there, but not just like a single data set, but multiple multiple data sets. So being able to correlate, you know, things in a meaningful fashion uh, at scale really so like you know it's nice to be able to do 
small analysis on your laptop, but it's a whole different ball game whenever you're trying to, you know, put in a somewhat real-time system that does the same thing across millions of data points, across, you know, thousands of devices, across thousands of interfaces. And that, I think the scale of it all makes it very difficult to uh, do things correctly and then to explain uh, the models of the results uh, in, in a meaningful fashion. So yeah, so, so the underlying data, the underlying uh, complex network topology really plays into that as well and what we can sample from from it is, too, yeah. Yeah, I have to imagine because you're not collecting one type of one, one data type. I mean, it is right. it is very diverse uh, data types and formats and and you know, I was just looking at some examples of how to, how how scaling is done in normalization, and I'm like, well, that that yeah. must be like a huge part of what you have to do, considering the diversity of data that we have, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 then I think the other pieces that play into it is if you're if you're doing ML classification systems, um, is Trying to capture uh, knowledge through, say, label data sets is, a, is another kind of whole other kind of issue to address. Like, you want to make sure that it's quality label set. You want to make sure that you're capturing subject matter experts' uh, knowledge correctly within that data set. And you want to make sure that you can at least present a good, uh, I guess, stratified set, so to speak, so that you're you can see kind of edge cases in the, the classification type models, whether it's right. simple, this network is doing well versus this network's doing poorly, or yes, this is a known, you know, outlier and it's not something that's, you know, expected uh, from, from a given, given right. set. Now you just mentioned machine learning a moment ago. Does, is that really what we're talking about when we say data science and how it's applied to networking? That's a good question. So I feel like it's on a, on a, spectrum mix, right? Okay. So I mean, it, for, yeah, for me, it typically starts with applied stats. Uh, and, you know, how, how far can you get away with modeling things in, a, in terms of, you know, distributions? Uh, and then, you know, once that starts to hit its limits, can we use more flexible models that add a little bit more complexity, say, like, you know, classification type models or unsupervised learning, if we're trying to do um, discovery of i guess patterns within the data set right okay and, and, yeah and so for me it's it behaves kind of like all in the same type of spectrum on it just depends on what problem you're trying to address well i guess that sort of begs the question what what are we trying to solve here <laughs> you know i mean so we're talking about some yeah. pretty cool stuff and uh i had so many questions about how correlation and and causal relationships and strong correlation versus weak so much stuff that i want to ask you about but what are we actually trying to solve are we we really honestly a lot of the industry is looking at this and saying is this just a solution looking for a problem yeah yeah i would say i guess in my day-to-day -day, what i i look at is mostly time series data like how do, how do things uh, behave over time? And so I am trying to at least push, you know, what we currently do. And I, I think, and you can correct me from what the industry kind of does with uh, these kind of detection heuristics where you're looking at some mean and some uh, standard deviation. You're asking how different is this new quantity relative to those two uh, statistical measures? Am I far from the mean given some underlying variance? Uh, and so there are ways that we can extend that to incorporate, you know, time series behavior. Uh, the one that quickly comes to mind is being able to capture, uh, say, seasonal patterns or periodic patterns so that if there is a peak 
uh, you can ask the question, is this peak known? Did it occur every day at 8 a.m.? And so I expect those values to be high. And so outliers may not be the same, whereas if, it, if it's maybe in a trough uh, where for whatever reason the network isn't as busy. And yeah. so being able to kind of take the same concepts that you use for current outlier detection, but incorporate a time component to it and saying, this is my conditional expectations for this time of day. Uh, this is the, the center point and this is the variability for that at least time of day. So it's not so sensitive to these kind of expected variations throughout the day or throughout the month or week, however we capture uh, seasonal patterns. And, and I guess that's what we mean by insight then. There's yes. something yeah. beyond just looking at uh, the interface statistics. This is going beyond and doing some sort of, in, not interpretation, but uh, in inference, right? Yeah, I would add to that that insights is both that predictability or not predictability, that forecasting ability, but also like the, the action that's associated with it. So it's always been, hey, I've, de I've detected something cool which, you know, from an ML or data science uh, uh, perspective is awesome. But then it's, what do we do with that? Like, and I think that's where a lot of the, the subject matter expertise comes into play. Like, can we present the scenario and say, we've detected something, now, yeah. go, now go fix this interface, or it's a problem with this link, or we're having problems reaching this point, but so are 10, 10 other people or 10 other companies. And so the... Yeah. Yeah, so for me, it's like both uh, the interesting part that you can detect, but the call to action that that drives it too. So we're talking about ingesting a ton of information, doing uh, you know applied statistical a statistical analysis, um, you know perhaps using some ML algorithms, all this really uh, cool stuff. But ultimately, it's so that an engineer can go fix an interface, yeah, or, or whatever, right? No, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm it is, like, oh, it so is. you can make the yeah. network run better and applications get delivered yeah. properly, well, properly and all that, right? Yeah, no, I left because the, the 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 pattern seems to be consistent from back. What do you mean? From back when I used to work on aircraft health monitoring at University of Hawaii, it was the same problem. Can we look at operational data? Can we tie it to? Uh, maintenance information, mm. and then use that to say, "Hey, we've detected something wrong with the plane. What do we do with it? Like, what? How do we? How do we act, so to speak?" Yeah, yeah that um, makes sense. And that's that whole idea of actionable insight, not yeah. just an insight. I mean, something that you mentioned was, you know, you're collecting a bunch of data, right, and you're able to find some sort of pattern. Uh, but to a subject matter expert, then you know, you present it to them, and they're like, "Yeah, who cares?" Yeah. Um, at networking field day. Uh, 29 a few weeks ago last month, I, I made the comment that, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're analyzing, you know, this telemetry that's coming in and you see you have this 400 gig interface in your data center, which is not an uncommon bandwidth uh, amount. And it's plugging away at one meg per second, not one gig, but one meg. It's a tiny, tiny fraction. And then you see it jump to 10 megs, which is a statistically significant uh, increase. Right. Yet it is so small, it really, to a subject matter expert who knows networking, looking at that, is, they know immediately, has no bearing on application performance, has no bearing. On, maybe it's something to check out and you put up like a warning, like something's going on, but it's really not mission critical. Yeah. And that's what I remember um, uh, a former colleague of mine talked about it in this way. He said it was the difference between weird and bad. It's yeah. weird, but it's not really like it's not really a bad thing. So what do yeah. we do with it? That's the that's the the quality of the insight, right? Yeah. So, and so for me, like when when uh, you discuss it or when I hear the same thing, like hey, you've det you detected something interesting, but it's not significant. 
Like I try to internalize that and say, well, how do I map that it's not interesting part to some sort of quantity or some sort of algorithm, whether it's uh, doing something simple like a uh, an effect size to, that tries to translate that into some uh, mathematical behavior where we've detected the outlier, but relative to uh, its magnitude change, so to speak, it doesn't it doesn't mean much. Uh, mm, right. And then or or um, relative to the device itself, like you know, you have a I forget it was like a forty gig or four hundred gig uh, mm-hmm. bandwidth, like relative to that, you know, threshold or that measure. Uh, is it significant? And so being able to kind of map that to to something that we can kind of incorporate in the algorithmic process is is awesome. And so that would be kind of like, you know, that would be the the rule the rule based approach not rule based but that would be incorporating that that rule or rule of thumb or being able to take that and go back and look at the data and have you know myself or others label it saying yes these are insignificant these are significant use those right. labels now to okay. kind of feed through the algorithm and say, let's improve upon this because we've showed it to uh, interested folks. Uh, they don't think it's very interesting. So now let's feed, close that feedback loop to actually use that information. It sounds like the process of using uh, all of these uh, methods and processes of, of data science from a high level is very iterative. That It's not yes. like you slap an algorithm and you got all the answers and now all your engineers are happy because they all their problems are solved. Right. It sounds like it's a constant process of trial, maybe trial and error. I hate to use that because, you know, as a scientist, I'm sure you don't want to, you know, yeah. you want black I, and white answers. But it's a process, right, uh, of, of getting things more accurate, uh, more meaningful. Is that right? Yeah. So, sophisticated trial and error. Those, those okay. kind of really, yeah, really re- rely on the, the scientific method a little bit. But yeah, right. <laughs> close, Very good. Close. Very good. But you mentioned that, like, and there's a whole field that's starting to crop up behind just what you said. Like, What's that? there's M- ML ops, uh, just oh, similar yeah. to DevOps, where uh, they're doing the monitoring of these systems to say, you know, this one's drifting away from some set point. Let's go ahead and retrain. Or we've got feedback from the field that says these are these these insights aren't very good. How mm-hmm. do we how do we bring that and feed it back into either the original data set or the modeling portions uh, of the of the algorithm, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we've been we've been pretty high level today. I really wanted to get an idea of this concept of data science and why and how we apply it to networking. But so much of the stuff that you said has, you know, I have so many questions that I want to follow yeah. up on. Like for example, you talked about anomalies earlier, and mm-hmm. something I struggled with in my career was, you know, getting a, a platform in front of me that's firing off alerts for anomalies, and and they're all false positives. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. that's not an issue, and I end up not trusting the tool and. How do we how do we deal with that? You know, that's that's there's a lot of questions that I, I have for you. But uh, just because of time, you know, I do want to yeah. close it close us out now. So it, it has been really a great episode talking about data science and machine learning and, you know, getting to unpack some of this, uh, this the real meat behind what the industry is doing right now. So I uh, thank you, Estefan, for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. And uh, and before we go, uh, if folks want to you know reach out to you online, maybe ask a question or have a comment, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, they can send me an email to, to my email address, eortiz at uh, kintech.com. That's E-O-R-T-I-Z at kintech.com. Okay, great. And you can find me on Twitter at network underscore Phil, and you can search my name in LinkedIn. And until next time, thanks very much.